Good morning, everybody. Welcome to our worship today. I'm so happy to have you with us. My name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here at Berean Bible Church. And no matter where you're joining us from, we are really happy to have you here worshiping with us today on this Memorial Day weekend. I don't know if you and your family have special plans for this. This uh, weekend is often considered unofficially the start of summer. Uh, But I'm excited that you've taken this part of your weekend just to be with us as we worship and study God's Word together. I was thinking of this story uh, this past week. Some of you are probably familiar with this. It's a story of a company uh, that made this product that fit a very specific need in their community. Um, Because in the early part of the 20th century, most homes were heated by coal. And of course, when you burn coal, it, provi- it produces this soot, and that soot gets on everything. And in particular, lots of people uh, used for their walls in their homes wallpaper. Uh, they had wallpaper covering everything. And so this soot, of course, would just get all over that wallpaper. And Kroger stores, we still have Kroger stores, Kroger stores uh, asked for this product to be developed that was a wallpaper cleaner. And so this company uh, made this product that was a non-toxic, safe-to-use, sort of a putty that could be used to clean this soot off of the wallpaper, and it sold really well. It was a very popular product. But then things started to change, and things started to happen. For one, people started not using coal anymore to heat their homes. People in culture started transitioning to natural gas and other cleaner burning fuels that didn't provide the same soot. In addition, wallpaper kind of changed. Instead of the traditional wallpaper, this new product that was a vinyl wallpaper came out and started to get popular. And with the vinyl wallpaper, you could much more easily clean it with just a, a damp cloth. And so the sales for this wallpaper cleaning putty started to really decrease. But something interesting happened. There was a a family member of somebody who worked at this company who had read somewhere that kids liked to use this putty to make little art projects. And so she had started using this. She was a, a preschool teacher, and she had started using it too. And they came up with this idea, why not market this as an art project as 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 a, a thing that you could use as a modeling clay for fun for kids you and i know this product is play-doh most of us have probably played with play-doh at some point and you can right now maybe uh, think of the smell of it and the feel of it and and what fun play-doh is uh, but it didn't start out that way Now, what I love about this story is a couple things. First, it's just one of those accidental discoveries. And we have a lot of those sorts of of stories of things where somebody was maybe trying to invent something else and they accidentally stumbled upon something. But this case in particular, I love this because this company, when their sales of, of this putty were really starting to go down, they could have handled this one of two ways. They could have been really disappointed and thought, oh, no, well, there goes that. Or they could have done what they did and seen this as an opportunity to do something new and exciting with this product. You know, we have those sorts of opportunities all the time, I think. We have opportunities, even when things are going poorly, uh, to to use this as maybe an opportunity to to turn it into something good, to make lemonade out of lemons. And I I love that idea. I want you to grab your Bibles this morning. We're going to look together at the book of Titus. Titus is in the New Testament, 
And it's one of the, the, the letters or epistles uh, that are known as the pastoral epistles. It's because this Titus was a young pastor. And the Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter, wrote it to Titus. And that's why this epistle is called Titus. So Titus chapter 2. And what we have here is a really interesting series of instructions. Now, the point that I want to get to, I'm going to sort of pull out of its context, not unfairly. I mean, I think there's an overarching principle here, but I do want to talk about the context. I don't want to just gloss that over. There is a context here, and I think that's important. And what Paul was writing to Titus about was how to teach various groups of people within his church Uh, 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 how to teach them proper doctrine, what sorts of things to teach them. That's what this whole section is about. But I'm going to start right now in verse 9. So Titus chapter 2, verse 9, and it says this, bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. I want to stop right there for just a second. Uh, This idea of bond servants, or your translation might say slaves, let's just be really honest. This can be a really difficult topic for us. I think with good reason. You know, we have in our own national history, this kind of blemish, this period when we had slavery in our country. And we recognize that's not a good thing. That's not something that we're proud of. We're glad that we don't have that any longer. And they had this in their society. Now, I want to be really careful here. It's possible that the slaves that Paul is writing about here are a bit different from the slavery that we have some experience with, that we learned about as kids when we took American history. Uh, When we talk about slavery in our own country, it was usually somebody who was really oppressed and they were truly considered nothing but a piece of property by someone else. It's possible that here in their setting, that's not quite what was going on. And that's why some scholars and translators have chosen to use the word in this very context, bond servants, because that was something slightly different, especially in the Roman Empire. And that's where they're dealing right now. That's, that's where they are. In the Roman Empire, people could enter into this contract. It was a, a contract to be a bond servant. It was typically a seven-year contract. And while they were a bond servant, they would actually earn wages, but those wages would sort of be held in reserve by their master. And once they got to the end of their contract, if they fulfilled it like they were supposed to, they were then released, they were free, they were given those wages that had been held for them by their master, and they were let go. So it looked a little bit different, perhaps. Either way, it's maybe an uncomfortable idea, but what's important to note here is that these people were members of this Christian church. This is what was happening, and I love this. I mean, frankly, one of the things that was going on was that people had been told, you can put your faith in Jesus Christ and be a member in of equal standing in this church. We're all brothers and sisters together in the body of Christ, uh, men and women, no matter what race they were. And in this particular example, no matter what socioeconomic status they had, and people even who were at the very bottom of the ladder, they were told, you are a brother, a sister with everyone else in this church. It was a beautiful thing. It was a radical truth. But it also, at times, presented some 
conundrums. You know, they had to figure out how to navigate these waters. What, what does that mean when someone who was maybe a, a, a governor of a whole region was in a church with somebody who was a slave or at least a bond servant and had a master, but now they have this equal status in the church? They had to figure all of that out. And so Paul is writing to this issue. Now, I want to be really clear about something. I don't believe that Paul here is advocating in any way slavery. In fact, what's really interesting is Paul very rarely, if ever, frankly, addressed actual politics or things that were going on in culture in the way where he he had a drive to change them or to address them or he kind of had no interest in that stuff. His interest was in us as followers of Jesus Christ, in the church. How do we navigate those waters as Christians? That's really what his interest was. And so it's not that he is putting any sort of a stamp of approval on slavery or bond servanthood or, or anything like that. All he's doing is recognizing this is our culture, this is our church, this is the sort of thing that exists. And so Titus... As you're giving instructions to these various sorts of people, one of these groups of people that you're going to have in your church are these slaves or these bond servants, and that's why he is addressing this. And so again, bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so I'm going to stop there. There are a number of things here, but but you get the gist of what he's saying. He said they should they should be submissive to their masters in everything. You can imagine that in some of these settings, maybe a, a, a somebody who is a bond servant now being told they have this new status within the body of Christ might try to take that into the workplace and become kind of puffed up and well. Now you can't tell me what to do. We're brothers or we're sisters, you know. And Paul is saying, teach them they shouldn't do that. They should be submissive to their masters in everything. He says they're to be well-pleasing. They should, they should be not argumentative. He says not pilfering, not stealing. That's probably in there because this was somewhat common in their day where bond servants or slaves, if they thought they could get away with it, maybe they would you know, sneak a little money or some, some items that they could sell in the marketplace or something. He says, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't be pilfering, but showing all good faith. Paul says, Titus, this is what you should teach these people who are in your church. This is how you should teach them to behave especially because they have, to, they have to navigate this new reality that while their status within the body of Christ is full membership and, and equal status, that there is no difference. 
The Bible says that within the body of Christ, there is no male or female. There's no Jew or Gentile. There's no slave or free. We're all on this exact same status and with the same standing within the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Because that status has nothing to do with us at all. It has everything to do with Jesus Christ. It's as if we've put on Jesus like a, like a garment now, and that's where our status comes from. But now you have these people who, who now going to work as a bond servant, who now had to show up as a slave on the, on the rest of the, during the rest of the week. And Paul says, this is how they ought to behave. But he's got a really interesting reason for telling them that this is why they ought to behave this way. He says, and again, I'm, I'm halfway through verse 10 here. So that in everything, they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior. I love that wording. That's a really great wording. You know what it is to adorn something? I don't know what you think of when you think of the word adorn. One of the first things I thought of was uh, our Christmas trees during the season of Christmas. You know, we drag these trees into our house. Uh, our family still uh, cuts a fresh one. Uh, maybe you have a, an artificial one, but whatever. You know, you set up this tree, but then we adorn it. We hang lights on it and we hang decorations and, and tinsel maybe and put a, an angel or a star up on top. We do all of this to, to beautify this tree, to adorn it. And some of your translations might just word it that way, to make this doctrine, to make this teaching attractive. That's what you're doing when you adorn something. You're, you're prettying it up. You're making it attractive. And this is what Paul really wants to get at here as he's writing this letter to Titus. You see, the passage isn't really about bondservants or slaves or whatever word we use here. That's not really what the passage is about. What this couple verses is about is adorning the gospel, of making attractive this doctrine, this teaching of God our Savior. And if we could look at this conversely, to not make it look ugly. I mean, can you imagine what would have happened if if these bond servants, these slaves, these people, you know, I, the Greek word here is doulos. We've talked about that word before. But again, in, in different contexts, it may have been used slightly different ways. But can you imagine if they had gone in and, and then tried to sneak some money here and there? Or if they had offered a lot of back talk to their, their master? I, I don't want to do that that way. Let's, I, I, I'm going to argue with you about that. If they had just not been submissive, if they'd been arrogant and, and haughty about as they went about their, their day and their business, can you imagine what that would have done to this teaching, to this gospel, especially if their master was someone who was not a believer, who is not currently a follower of Jesus Christ? That would have been really terrible. And so Paul says, Titus, you've got these, these people in your congregation, in your church, 
And here's what you ought to teach them. Here's how they ought to conduct themselves. But here's why. It's not just because this will make them well-behaved, and this is so that they don't get smacked on the hand or, or thrown into a jail even or something. Here's really the reason why. It's so that they can, they can adorn, that they can beautify, that they can make attractive this doctrine, this gospel. A lot of people in this situation may have felt like this was kind of a, a bum rap. No matter what this, this word doulos is used here, which way that it's used, if this was really oppressive slavery or something a little milder, it still probably wasn't a situation that most people wanted to find themselves in. You know, even if it was just a bond servant, you know, that was something you did when you sort of didn't have any other way out, probably. But what Paul does here as he's writing to Timothy, and he says, here's how you ought to teach them, is you ought to turn this into an opportunity. You see, we all have this opportunity to, to shine, to, to put a spotlight on something. I, I mentioned before that, that this weekend is Memorial Day weekend. And Memorial Day, of course, is, is this day on which we specifically recognize and remember and pay honor to those people who have lost their lives uh, during their service in the armed forces in our country. And we, we, we do that so that we can sort of shine a spotlight on that. You know, we recognize that that level of sacrifice, that that's noble, that that's good, it's praiseworthy, and we we spotlight that, and, and I hope that, that we take some time out to do that. Well, again, it's sort of the unofficial beginning of summer, and there will be much grilling going on, no doubt. But along with that, I think that's really good to just shine this spotlight on people who sacrificed in our country for the things that we have now for many of the freedoms that we enjoy they they earned those freedoms and then protected those freedoms by giving up their lives well here paul is talking about shining a spotlight on jesus christ that the passage that was read earlier as part of our scripture reading in ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 it says look carefully then how you walk not as unwise but as wise that word walk is i mean in greek it literally means walk but i think you and i understand as they would have as original readers of this that he wasn't really talking about literal walking and the way that you walk he's using this as a metaphor for your life which is you know some translations translate it that way be careful about the way that you live be careful about your walk not as unwise, but as wise. And then verse 16 says this, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Making the best use of the time or in some translations, make the most of every opportunity. You see, we have these opportunities. And I love that extra little bit there because the days are evil and as we look around, I'm not convinced that our days are much less evil than they were when Paul wrote this 
this letter to Ephesus. But we can either get really down about that, we can mope about that, or we can consider that an opportunity to do something, specifically to shine a spotlight on the gospel, on the doctrine of God our Savior. And that's why I love that very short little bit in Titus, because it's not really about slavery. It's about this same sort of idea, making the most of an opportunity. He says, if, if you find yourself in the position of a slave or of a bond servant, this is how you ought to conduct yourself because when you do that, you shine this spotlight on Jesus. You, you adorn, you make attractive this teaching that we're all about here. You know, for us right now, we've talked so much about it. Many of you are probably sick of talking about it, I understand. But this, this pandemic this global pandemic we're all dealing with right now. It's very different for us. Now, it's quite possible that some of you have some different views than I do on this. And I want to tell you, that's okay. That's fine. But I think what's interesting is that we have an opportunity, even in our disagreements, to do it in a certain way. We are all being presented with an opportunity just in this very specific time in our lives right now to either make attractive the gospel of Jesus Christ or sadly to make it unattractive if we're not kind of careful. You know, we, we, as we hold different points of view, how we hold those different points of view is so very important and there's this opportunity and i want to suggest to you that not only is this an opportunity for us within the body of christ to be grace and love and and to have patience with each other and and to be able to hold different viewpoints even on some of these things they they have nothing to do with salvation they have nothing to do with the doctrine of the church they're just these extra things and and to hold these different views but to do it in a way that is honoring to Jesus Christ but we can also do it in a way that is not honoring to Jesus Christ and while that can be, if we do it well, beneficial to, and if we do it poorly, a detriment to us within the church, just think again of people who are not followers of Jesus right now, watching the way we deal with things where maybe we do have disagreements. Do we do it with love and with grace and with respect and with patience? Or do we do it with sarcasm and snark and meanness and uh, a, a, a sort of complete writing off of someone who doesn't agree with me? We have a world that is watching all of this, see? We have an opportunity to either make wonderful and beautiful and to adorn this beautiful teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ or we have opportunity to maybe not do that. I'll just be really, really honest with you and, and tell you that when it comes to social media, I've shared with some of you in smaller settings, but I just sort of walked away in my, my personal life from 
social media a couple years back because it just got really tiresome. I was tired of the the meanness, whether it was aimed at, at me or someone else, and so often between people who were brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, taking things that weren't maybe so important and, and not behaving graciously toward each other. And I just, I'm so concerned that we have a world that sees all of that. Now, I want to be careful again here. Some of you, when we talk about things like this, may wonder, uh, who's he talking about? I'm not talking about anyone, I, I, I'm, and yet I'm talking about all of us, right? Now, it's possible that social media has become a lot kinder since I stopped paying much attention to it. I sort of doubt it. <laughs> but listen, you and I have an opportunity to show Jesus Christ. And it's not to say that, that none of these other things have any importance. It, it's just like the Apostle Paul when he was writing about this issue of, of slavery within their society. It, the fact that he doesn't endorse it or come down hard against it isn't because he didn't believe it was important. He probably did. I'm sure he had a point of view. But there are things that are important and then other things that are far more important, right? That's what Paul was getting at here. What is more important than the issue of slavery is whether or not you make attractive Jesus Christ. And for you and I, whether it's COVID-19 or politics or whatever it is, it's not to say that none of these things have any importance and that you can't have a point of view. You can. It's wonderful. But what's more important is the way that we handle those things and what that says about Jesus Christ. Because we can't say, you should come and, and be a part of our family. Jesus died for you and wants you to follow him. That, that he, he completely freed you from the power of sin and death and, and in the body of Christ, it's so beautiful. There's no male or female, Jew, Gentile, slave or free. We're all equal. It's love. It's grace. We can't preach all that and say, come and join us, but then treat people in a way that sometimes we probably treat people. See, I want you and I to be really conscious about what are we saying about the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are we adorning it? Can we have disagreements even with each other, but do it in a way that is just beautiful and pleasant and kind? Or do we do it in a way that is, frankly, a little ugly, where people from outside our fellowship may say, well, I don't want any part of that. I don't see how that's any different from anyone else. I don't need more sarcasm and snark and no thanks. Our call, our ultimate call, is to be an inviting group that says this gospel of Jesus Christ, it's beautiful. And by our lifestyle and our behavior and our, our speech, to make it beautiful, to adorn it. Again, I'm not talking to anyone in particular. Don't worry about that. 
unless you need to worry about that. You know. You know. And if you don't know, go to God and the Holy Spirit will convict you if he needs to. If you ask him honestly to show you where you need to be corrected, he will. I just want us to be mindful. And I remind myself of this all the time. I am not perfect in this regard. I think it's really good to be reminded. No matter what the issue is, there's this more important issue, which is making beautiful this doctrine, this teaching of the salvation that has been provided for us. If you're with us this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm just especially glad that you're with us. And, and I want to say a couple of things. As followers of Jesus, we are not perfect. And if you've seen some really bad behavior, we are sorry about that. We don't always get it right. We are striving to be like Jesus. We don't always hit that mark. But I don't want you to hold that against Jesus. Because the reality is, he loves you. The whole reason he came was to bring you close to God. That it's God himself, he, he sort of put on human flesh, became one of us so that he could come and live amongst us and ultimately pay a price, become a sacrifice on our behalf, on your behalf, so that you could accept this free gift of salvation. I mean that it's free to you and I. It came at great cost to Jesus, but it's free to you and I. That's how much he loves you. And if you haven't yet trusted Jesus as your own personal Savior, I want to invite you to do that today. And you can be part of this story, this journey, as we work together ultimately to adorn this teaching and to show our world how beautiful this salvation story is. Let's pray together. Our Father God, we thank you so much for your love and for your grace that you just exercise so liberally with us, that you don't hold that back. You're not stingy with it. We are so grateful for that. And, and God, your greatest expression of that is the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ, that salvation that we enjoy right here, right now, that salvation that we will enjoy all throughout eternity as you have provided for us eternal life freely because of Jesus Christ. And God, we pray for those who might be with us today who are not yet followers of Jesus, who haven't yet trusted Jesus and only Jesus entirely for their salvation, that you would draw them to you right now. That as we pray together, that they will say yes to you, submit to you and receive this free gift that you provide in Jesus Christ. And God, for all of us, I do pray that you will continue to convict us, to challenge us. Father, I thank you that, that we have opportunity. What an exciting thing that even in, in times that are hard for us as a people, we want to see the opportunities that we have to adorn this teaching of God our Savior, to, to make attractive and beautiful 
the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, help us to do that well. Help us to not detract from it, to not do things that would take away from that, but to, in our speech and in our behavior, to to just shine a spotlight on what it means to be followers of Jesus, that grace, that love, that patience, that we would more accurately reflect Jesus Christ himself. God, thank you for this time. We thank you for covering us in your grace and in your protection. We pray that your hand would continue to be on us as a church, as a nation, as a whole entire world. And we pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you again so much for being with us today. God bless you this week. Grace and peace be with you.